This is the Neighborhood Conversations podcast. Today's sermon was recorded on June 18th, 2023. The scripture for this sermon is from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Jesus' disciples came and said to him, Why do you use parables when you speak to the crowds? Jesus replied, Because they haven't received the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but you have. For those who have will receive more, and they will have more than enough. But as for those who don't have, even the little they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to the crowds in parables. Although they see, they don't really see. Although they hear, they don't really hear or understand. What Isaiah prophesied has become completely true for them. You will hear, to be sure, but never understand. You will certainly see, but never recognize what you are seeing. For this people's senses have become calloused, and they've become hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes, or hear with their ears, or understand with their minds, and change their hearts and lives that I may heal them. Happy are your eyes because they see. Happy are your ears because they hear. I assure you that many prophets and righteous people wanted to see what you see and hear what you hear, but they didn't. You may be wondering about the scripture that I chose for today's message, and yes, I did in fact say I chose today's scripture. It's one of those texts in the Bible that makes us uncomfortable. Well, I mean, at least it makes me uncomfortable. I'm not the only one either. The Christian lectionary, which is a kind of calendar that pastors and preachers can choose to follow with specific scriptures assigned to certain days of the year. Anyway, the lectionary just boop, skips right over verses 10, and 17, 10 through 17. And it seems like most preachers want to read it. Why? At face value, this text shakes up our idea of who Jesus is. Why would Jesus deliberately hide or cloak the message of the kingdom from anyone? I wanted to wrestle with this passage a little bit and not just skip over it because it's inconvenient. I wanted to dive into the reality that, for me at least, my path has often felt concealed from me. I felt like God was purposefully clouding the way before me and muddying the waters that sometimes I just wanted to stop swimming. I've struggled a lot with my faith in the last few years, as I'm sure many of us have. We can't go through the collective trauma that is a global pandemic, increased and unveiled police brutality and systemic racism, anti-trans and anti-queer laws being passed on a regular basis, a growing climate crisis, without being a little shaken in our faith. Well, if you can, more power to you, because most of us are struggling. But I've been surrounded by a community that has continued to encourage me to keep returning back to ask the hard questions of God. It's my hope that by sharing some of my story with you today, that we can look at least one of those hard questions together. Why does it often feel like our paths are hidden from us? And is there anything we can do about it? I'm a cradle Methodist. I was born and raised in the UMC, and I've been active off and on throughout my life. After graduating from undergrad and working a couple years in the nonprofit sphere in Florida, I began to feel what is known in the business as a call to ministry, which is basically just a fancy way to say that it felt like God was telling me to seek out my vocation in the church. At the time, I didn't really know what that call was going to look like. I knew I didn't feel led to be the pastor of a local church, but I'd only begun to explore what other options there were for me in ministry. 
But I took a leap of faith, and I went to seminary anyway. I started at Candler in the uh, fall of 2016. My time at Candler is some of my fondest memories, and those three years were some of the most formative in my spiritual journey, as I was pushed to deepen my understanding of faith and how faith can be lived out in the world. By the time I graduated, I felt drawn to conflict transformation ministry, specifically working to mediate conflict in local churches. And after a few serendipitous conversations and being flown out to Chicago for an interview, I secured a job doing just that. I moved away from Atlanta to the Chicago suburbs in the August of 2019. And by October, I was miserable. In no uncertain terms, the job was not what I expected it to be. Without throwing anyone under the bus, it was a very toxic work environment, and that was evident early on. But I had been called there, right? Then led me away from the community I loved, pushed me out of my comfort zone for a reason, right? It didn't take me long to start getting frustrated with God. I had uprooted my entire life, left behind everything I knew for what was supposed to be my dream job. Instead, I was faced with one of the hardest years of my life. I would be lying if I said my faith was strong at this point. I distanced myself from God quite a bit during this time. And the more I distanced myself from God, the less sure I was about everything. I want to pause for a moment and go back to today's scripture. It begins with the disciples asking Jesus why he spoke in parables. We see in the surrounding text that the disciples didn't just automatically understand these parables. They still needed Jesus to explain the meaning behind them. It makes me wonder if the disciples were often just as confused as we can be nowadays when it comes to what God is doing in our lives. Think about it. They were called away from their professions and families and lives by a teacher whose main form of communication was essentially riddles. I can imagine that they often felt frustration in the way that, way that I do. Jesus answered in a way that at face value seems cold and uncompassionate. However, he goes on to quote Isaiah, and I'll share it again. You will hear to be sure, but never understand, and you will certainly see, but never recognize what you are seeing. For this people's senses have become calloused, and they become hard of hearing. They've shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their minds and change their hearts and lives, that I may heal them. What Jesus is saying in this quote from Isaiah is that those who were listening to the parables but who did not understand and did not seek to understand, folks like the Pharisees and other teachers of the law, folks who were merely curious about Jesus but not interested in following him, these folks had turned away from the new vision of the kingdom that God was preaching, or that Jesus was preaching. I'm encouraged by the implication of that. As long as we do seek to understand how God is moving in our lives and continue seeking, God is not going to turn away from us. In fact, God is going to honor our efforts and provide healing, even if it may not look like what we expected. There's a prayer that's always stuck with me by theologian Thomas Merton, that speaks to this very idea. Merton says in the prayer, I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you, and I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire, and I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. 
Well, when I returned to Atlanta in the fall of 2020, I was not seeking to understand, and the desire to please God was not on my mind. I was just in survival mode at this point. I had escaped a toxic work situation, but I came back without a job lined up, without much of a plan, and with a whole lot of baggage. I had built up walls around my heart when it came to God, and I was doing the best I could on my own, which, spoiler alert, was not great. <laughs> I've struggled with anxiety and depression in various ways since adolescence, and during my time in Illinois, my mental health began to take a serious downward turn. Even after moving back to Atlanta, I continued to struggle with worsening depression and debilitating anxiety, especially around work. I eventually landed a job at a church in Stone Mountain as their parish administrator. Even though I had been working, in a preschool working as a preschool teacher for quite some time, this new administrative position brought up all the insecurities and anxieties that I had brought back with me from Chicago. I was in the position for exactly three months before I had a major panic attack at work and had to leave the job. With my family's support, I decided at that point, which was a little less than two years back to Atlanta, that I was tired of living in survival mode. I was tired of letting my depression and anxiety control my life, and I made the difficult decision to seek intensive care for my mental health. After two months on a waiting list, and I won't get on my soapbox today about the importance of access to mental health care, I entered into an intensive day program, Mondays through Fridays, 9 to 4. I attended a mix of individual and group therapy sessions, art therapy, meditation groups, and I met with a psychiatrist weekly to figure out a medication reg regimen. I met people who were experiencing similar struggles, and I finally began to see my way again. And I share all this very frankly because I believe that we don't talk enough about mental health, and we don't normalize taking care of our emotional and mental state the way we do the rest of our bodies. So maybe I will get on my soapbox for a minute, just to say, if you have struggled or are struggling and can't seem to find hope, know that there are resources available to you and it's okay to ask for help. I'm very grateful to have a family and a community that understands that while prayer is powerful, sometimes we have to utilize additional resources at our disposal to truly address the root of our issues. Asking for help doesn't mean you have less faith. It means your faith is strong enough to trust that God will provide the resources you need to live your best whole life. This is me stepping back off my soapbox. <laughs> anyway, through this season of growth and healing, I began to open my heart again, very slowly, to the idea that God might be working and moving in my life. And that is the crux of the issue at hand in today's scripture. We must open our hearts to God's way of doing things. I don't think I have to tell you God's way of doing things is wildly different than what we could ever imagine or plan ourselves. And different can be scary. The picture Jesus was painting and the parables surrounding today's scripture depict a kingdom that differed from what the disciples and the rest of the Jewish crowds around Jesus had imagined. Jesus described a kingdom where the, first, the last would be first and the first would be last. He came not in a show of power, but as a beacon of hope and healing to those whom society pushed to the edges. Jesus preached a kingdom where not only all were welcome, but celebrated. And his parables showed the disciples and continue to show us today that we are valued as much as a precious pearl or a lost coin in the eyes of God. And that is truly good news for us, y'all. 
It doesn't matter what you look like, who you love, how you identify, you are beloved. I'll say that again. You, yes you, I'm talking to every single one of you. God loves all of you, all the time. And the good news is that love is there for us at all times. We simply have to reach out and be willing to receive it. That is the point that Jesus is trying to make in today's scripture. God is always available to those who open themselves up to the love of Christ and who allow themselves to be receptive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. How do we do this? It can be as simple as setting aside intentional time in silence, starting a gratitude journal, or reciting a pre-written prayer that speaks to you. There are all sorts of ways to begin building your relationship with God, but we must continue to ask the hard questions and keep going deeper. We must engage with God and be in an active relationship with Christ to access that healing love. Think about it. In your day-to-day -day relationships with partners, family, friends, which relationships are the most life-giving? Which are the most fulfilling? The ones where both parties are actively engaged with one another and who show up for each other. It's those types of relationships that carried me through some of the hardest moments these past few years. It's the love. It's the love from friends who let me just come over and read to their kids. Friends who invited me over for dinners. Friends who showed up again and again when I needed someone to talk to. So the chance that my preschool director took hiring me, and the way that she didn't give up on me and challenged me to grow, is the support from two parents who have taken every curveball I've thrown at them with grace and love. Y'all, that is the kingdom happening right here and now on earth. The relationships that give us life, that keep us going, those people that continue to show up for us. That is a little glimpse into the vision of the kingdom that Jesus sought to share with his followers. Love between God's people, and often that is the clearest pace to see the movement of the Spirit in relationship with others. I see the same love in the neighborhood. It's in the DNA of this church, and that was evident from the first time I walked in the door. It's been such a blessing to join this community and be a part of the important work that is happening daily here. That's why I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share with you a little bit of my story and the takeaways that the last few years have given me. In a little bit, we'll sing a song that has carried me through periods where it's been difficult to have hope in God's movement. In that song, there's a line, hope's a seed that you have to sow. When you let it go, it comes to life. So you stretch your arrows on the bow and you pull them back and watch them fly. It's funny, if you had told me two and a half years ago that I would be preaching a sermon on hope, I probably would have laughed in your face. But it wasn't until I fully released the desire to control my own path and opened up myself to new possibilities of how God might move that I found my way to neighborhood. Some might call that a coincidence, but I believe I finally got out of my own way and allowed myself to begin to look for God in new ways. I do, I do want to validate, validate that opening our hearts to the work of God is not easy work, and it doesn't automatically fix every problem that we will encounter in our lives. 
Vulnerability is uncomfortable. But the more I allow myself to experience it, the more I realize there's value to it. And we don't have to experience it alone. That's the beautiful thing about community. It allows us to come alongside one another in the vulnerability and support each other. The good news is that there's always hope. We know this because we believe in a God whose healing love is available to us at all times, in all places. And when we struggle to believe, we can lean on those around us to help us see to the other side. So I encourage you to open your heart to the possibilities and see the magic that God can create when you least expect it. May it be so. Amen. Neighborhood Conversations produced by Neighborhood Church in Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about us at neighborhoodchurchatl.com. And on our website, you can find links to our weekly live streams. You can find out what's going on in the neighborhood. Find us on social media and don't forget to subscribe. Peace be with you.